I, I said this morning, and I, I wanted to expound on it a little bit. You know, uh, the, my mom kept talking about getting together and meeting with you, and that Nicole and I should. And and uh, I was like, I hear you, mom. I believe what you're saying and everything. But she she probably mentioned it five to ten times over a period of six months or so. And uh, I said, I was like, I agree. I I want to meet her. You know, I'm not I'm not. Uh, saying that I don't hear you and uh, just need the Holy Spirit to open up the door and say now's the time and then I was in prayer and I gave you the message then you came to the connection show and uh, what was great was when we were having those episodes and recording those episodes uh, with Jungle Jen she started telling some stories about how she had to apply faith and how this thing got very real, got life or death. And she realized uh, that she needed to stretch herself and reach up and grab hold of all powerful God and a loving father, uh, not just religions. God, you know, she needed a God that was real and intimate. And when she started talking, I started realizing Wow, she, she knows what she's talking about. She understands what we've been doing here at Boomerang 2, looking for a God uh, whose power is beyond the average, uh, looking for God's normal instead of what we've seen and calling that normal and calling that average. I realized that she was hungering after him. It was obvious by what she said and by what she did. It was obvious that she was going after him and, and finding him and, and they were having a relationship where God would love on her and she would praise and love on God and, and that reality and that genuineness really bless me because you don't find that in every person and you don't find it in every minister and we just really appreciate it and so I want y'all to give her a warm welcome uh, to Miss Jungle Jen. Come on up. Thank you. Thank you so much.
you're ready to go back with me. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's actually a really good turnout. I had somebody come up to me after a service one time and they said, if you're really trying to recruit people, you shouldn't show that snake. <laughs> and I thought, no, really, if I want to recruit people that are going to go, I really should show the snake. Because if they're going to jump ship, they need to do it on this side, not on that side. Well, that's great. I love it. I'll take you all with me. I leave December 26th. So I'll just get a bigger plane. This will be great. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him, meaning the enemy, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, by Jesus Christ on the cross, right? And that's already taken place. Was that? But then there's something else added here. They overcame him, the enemy, the king of the darkness, by the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. You see, it wasn't just all up to Jesus on the cross. They overcame him because of the word of their testimony. Now, first of all, that requires something. You to have a testimony, <laughs> right? Before you can share your testimony and overcome the king of darkness, the prince of darkness, you have to have a testimony. Good news, you're sitting here in your seat alive, you've got a testimony. Okay? So don't think, oh dear, I need to come up with a testimony. No, 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 you, you've got one. If you're here in church, good news, even if you are the worst murderer on the planet, you have a testimony because you're in these doors breathing right now. So they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the cross, it's been taken care of, but also by the word of their testimony. I love testimonies. Did you like seeing the video? I mean, that's a testimony, right? Did you enjoy hearing the stories from this morning? Yeah, it's cool. We love testimonies. We love stories. But now I'm going to turn it back on you because I hear this is a Holy Spirit service and there's no time frame. That's fun. You should see everything I've got set up over here. <laughs> oh, I heard that. I got so excited. So we'll probably be out about 2 a.m. But anyway, <laughs> yay, that's my girl right there. You got to have a testimony. So don't, don't stress out. This is not a test, okay? Who has a testimony from this morning? I don't need your life story. I'll get that later. I don't need your complete conversion experience. Let's start small, okay? Who has a testimony from this morning that you would be willing to stand up and share? This morning we had some power, right? We talked about power. We talked about light. We talked about finding your calling. We talked about going for it in faith. We talked about saying yes. But if we just sit right here and we just listen... Even if we hear, yeah. you're not overcoming anything. I'm going to be honest with you. So let this morning continue now through your testimony. All right, who has a testimony? Who's going to be the first person? Who has a testimony from this morning? It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be big. Go for it. Stand up and let us hear it. And let me give you a microphone. Just the Lord was reminding me about dreams from the past that had kind of had gotten hidden way down deep within me. And 
Um, so it just became ignited in my spirit. Like they became alive again. You know, sometimes we have dreams and they kind of die. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they really, he really began to ignite them. That's and, awesome. uh, so, and then like, I start seeing more of a picture than I had before. Mm. Whereas before I'm like, how are you going to put a and B mm. and C? Cause you got 12 <laughs> different things going around and I don't understand it. Mm. And, uh, so it feels like he's kind of piecing it in together. And so it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. God's That's good. awesome. That's awesome. Who else? Who has a testimony? Come on, let's overcome the, the enemy. Right here. It's good. And then I want to I hear yours. I want to hear yours. I saw you raise your hand. So there's... Uh, there's um, I want to talk to my pastors first about it, but I can say that during worship, God was giving me some answers mm. to a lot of things I was asking for. That's and cool. in your word to me helped me to solidify and say i'm stepping good taking that step of faith that's good that's good did you have one did you have a testimony uh-huh no okay who else who had something something god revealed to you maybe he opened up your eyes to that dream or to that calling or maybe he brought something to your mind of something a way that you can step out in faith Even one of our kids. Did God give you a word this morning? Did he move in your heart? Because we can step up to the front. We can even say yes. But you see, when God created the world, I love this. He didn't just think about it and it happened. Yeah, that's right. He spoke it. He spoke it. He said it. Let there be light. Boom. And there was light. He spoke it out. We have so much power in our words. Our words can shape things. Our words can move mountains. Paul says that just that little rudder, James says just that little rudder on the back of the boat right? Just that little rudder can turn that ship one way or another. Just that little tiny thing. Uh, that's that little tiny thing right there. Your tongue. Your tongue. If something's not going the way that you think it should be going, do you think this is going to help? Well, God, it's not going how I wanted it to go. God, there's not enough money. God, I don't feel good. God, I don't want to. God, this isn't fair. That little rudder right there is steering your ship right in the direction in accordance with the enemy. Do you hear me? Yeah. Oh, but let's overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our, our testimony. That bank account's a little low. I've got more than enough. Yeah. Because I know who's in control. Things aren't going the way you want to. Oh boy, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to get me out of this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not feeling so good? Thank you so much for my supernatural health. How can I go and bless someone else today who's not feeling well? Overcome. Overcome. Anybody else? Anybody else with a testimony? So this morning during worship, um, yeah. 
this this week there was an attempt to steal peace from my husband and I. Oh wow! And um, this morning during worship, when I was singing in free worship, the Holy Spirit sang through me, I, "You are my safe place." Like in God, you're my safe place, mm-hmm. and that was just Rama in my spirit of mm-hmm. reminding me of that. Yeah. So it just provided a lot of peace with it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So you've got a piece of paper and a green pen. How about pick those up? And you might want to get maybe the Bible in front of you or something so you can write on. Oh, you've got two. You're special. Anybody else need one? Anybody need one? We can get one to you. We're good. All right, so go ahead and write your name. This is for kids, too. Kids and adults, everybody. Go ahead and write your name at the top of the paper. You want to play a game? Yeah. One person. Excellent. Okay. (laughs) Yes! Okay. (laughs) Can you guys turn my mic down just a little bit? I don't want to yell at these lovely folks. All right, so everybody's got your name on your paper. Did you pass that part of the test? We're good? All right, so now my game only has two rules. That's pretty simple, right? So the first rule is you may only draw what I tell you. Nothing more and nothing less. Okay? You can only draw what I tell you. The second rule is, on the count of three, everyone in here is going to close your eyes until I tell you you can open them. Okay? That's the second rule. You have to keep your eyes closed. Now, you're in church. God sees you. All right? All right. So one, two, three, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. And the first thing I'd like for you to please draw for me on your paper is the frame of a house. Keep your eyes closed and draw maybe just a box. Just the frame, the bottom part, the frame of a house. Okay, now the next thing I'd like for you to please draw for me, how about draw draw a door on that house? Okay, draw a door, a door on the house. Yes, keep your eyes closed. Oh, your, your house might need a roof. Yes, how about draw... A roof for me on your house. Just a triangle. Keep it real simple. Keep your eyes closed. Okay. We're good. Now one day you might like to walk out that door. And you might like to see a tree. So draw a really big tree. A really big tree. Keep your eyes closed. A really big tree. Oh, I forgot to tell you. On your house you have two windows. So go back to your house, keep your eyes closed, go back to your house, and draw two windows. Two windows on your house. And, and, okay, now, as I was saying about that big tree, how about draw some fruit on your tree? Can you draw some fruit on your tree for me? Apples, oranges, whatever you like. Keep your eyes closed and draw some fruit on your tree. Now, it's probably a lovely sunshiny day, so how about draw big sunshine up in the sky? And, and maybe it's a little cold out, and I like fireplaces, so how about draw a chimney on your house? Can you draw, and with, some, with a little smoke coming out of the top of it, could you do that for me? That'd be great, because it's a little chilly. Yes, just a chimney with, with some smoke coming out of the top. Yes. Okay, now back we were saying about the sun. And how about some clouds? Clouds are nice. Some lovely clouds. 
Yes, and how about a fence in front of your house? Could you please draw a fence? You know, the American white picket fence dream. Yes, a fence. And how about some birds up in the sky? Just, just a couple of birds. Some birds flying around. Yes. Yes, now I know that you all love Jesus so much, and you spend time with him every day. So how about draw yourself sitting in a chair in your house reading your Bible. Yes, you sitting in a chair in your house reading your Bible. Don't forget your Bible. That's a very important part. Yes. And then at the bottom of your page, please write for me the word darkness. 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 And then once you've written that word, you can open your eyes and look at your masterpiece. Oh, I can't wait to see these. <laughs> it's your treehouse. <laughs> How do we do? A good job? Can, can I see it? Can you show me? Let me see. Let, oh. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Okay. I messed up. <laughs> oh, 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 that's, you got a great fence. Good job. Um, oh, is this the fruit? Your fruit's falling off your tree. That's nice. It's, it must be fall. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. Um, I'm sorry. I, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. I, um, I gave you everything you needed for this project. I, I gave you the paper. I gave you pens. I gave you instructions. I even spoke your language. I've got two other languages. I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I even spoke your language, but no offense. Oh my. <laughs> These look terrible. <laughs> what was the problem? I didn't let you see. Oh, so so what was the problem? You couldn't see, so you couldn't draw. And were you experiencing some darkness? Yes, she said. <laughs> so, so maybe a little light would have made a big difference? <laughs> a little peek? Now, I've given you all the resources you need. But you made a mess of this. God's given us all the resources we need, especially here in America. He's given us Bibles to read. He's given us incredible church buildings to go to. He's given us pastors, internet podcasts. He's given us freedom. He's given us Jesus Christ on the cross. He's given us salvation, an empty tomb. He's given us the Holy Spirit. All incredible resources, right? But if we don't know who God truly is, our lives and our ministries are going to end up looking like these papers. Did you hear me? You can have all of the resources available to you in the world for Christianity, spirituality, and religion. 
But if you don't truly know who God is, this is pretty much what your life and your ministry is going to look like. Pastor introduced me, and I just love the introduction because it fits so well. He talked about my intimacy with the Father. He talked about my intimacy with God. You see, for so many years, I've been saved since I was five years old. I've known my calling since I was eight. But it wasn't until about five years ago that I actually learned who my Father truly is. You see, let me show you here. See, we've got a lot of people out there in the world, people in the church, and people probably even us sitting, some of us right here in this room, who we have this image of God, okay? Whether we want to admit it or not, that's all right, because six years ago, I wouldn't have admitted this out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and admit it now because I've got a testimony to talk about it, where some people think that God is mad, all right, he's a mad, angry, upset God. That he's this, he's this God, you know, up there, wherever up there is, I don't know, but that's what they say, up there, you know, and, and he's just mad, he's just angry. He's, some people think, some people say, well, you know, he's the big guy up in the sky. Really? Okay. You know, the big one. And they put him to be this distant, out there, not right here with us, but he's over there and we're over here, down here. And if we're good enough, then maybe that angry, <clears throat> grumpy, <clears throat> mad God might turn his gaze toward us. But then again, maybe we don't want him to do that because if he is angry and if he is mad, well, he might throw a lightning bolt at me. Or worse yet, he might make me stub my toe. Or if I sin, then he might make me get in a car wreck later today. Or if I don't do things just right, then he might cause me to get cancer. <laughs> Some people, and I kind of thought this for many years, some people just think that God is just outright bossy. I mean, have you seen all those commandments? Who's supposed to live up to that? But we've got this mindset that this God, this high and mighty guy in the sky over there, you know, the distant one with the lightning bolt bag, that he's got all these rules. And I've got to follow this and do this and make sure I've done that and make sure I go there and make sure I meet with them and make sure I go to church and make sure I pray for 30 minutes a day and don't forget to read the Bible all the way through every single year. And then don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't covet. Ah! He's so bossy. All he wants to do is tell me what to do. And so then we begin to get into this mindset of do, 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 do. And well, that's just a bunch of doo-doo. <laughs> but we got to keep the big guy happy, right? Because otherwise, consequences. Well, some people just think that he's flat out mean. He's just a mean God. Now, I know you guys are church people, so you never think any of these things. But <laughs> let me 
maybe there's that one day, right? That's not fair. You're so mean. Why are you so mean to me? Are you against me? Let me tell you about a time where I thought God was kind of mean. This morning I told you that I have wanted to be a missionary since I was eight years old. Okay, that was quite a few years ago. But it wasn't for 20 years before I got to step foot onto the mission field. So I applied to go onto the mission field after college. I didn't tell you this part this morning. But I applied. I had my four-year degree. I was ready to go. I've wanted to be a missionary since I was eight years old. I applied. I sent in my application. Unreached people groups. Here I come. Denied. The recession hit. And the missions organization told me that there wasn't enough money that year to send new missionaries onto the field. Well, that's not very nice, God. I mean, don't you have enough money? Hmm. So I went and I spent four years getting my master's, working full time. And then I applied again. I sent off my application. I was ready. Unreached people groups, the recession's over. Here I come. Denied. Are you ready for this? You guys are going to love this. That year, the denial letter came and it said, we thank you for your application, Ms. Foster, but this year we are not accepting females. Oh, really? So at this point, I'm not thinking that God is being very nice, okay? What have I not done enough for you? Don't you want me to be a missionary for you? Or why are you mean? Why are you being mean to me like this? I mean, wait, you got this list of people who want to go to the unreached people groups? Really? And I began to have this perception that if I wasn't living exactly like the Bible said I should be living, and if I wasn't doing, 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 and having my quiet time every day, and reading the Bible every day, and having an hour-long prayer session every day, then this God wouldn't be happy. Rather, he would be upset. He would be this upset God, and then all of a sudden, he wouldn't be listening to my prayers. Until, you know, I confessed and got it all right and straightened it all out and then had three days cleansing and then, you know, went on a detox and then, you know, after I cleaned it up, then he would like me again. Then maybe I would get to do with the desire of my heart. You see, many people maybe came this morning and said yes to God. You maybe agreed to fulfilling the desire of your heart, the calling, the dream that's in your life. But see, you might have this little skewed vision of God. Well, what if the God that you think that you know isn't the God that is? What if the God that you think that you know isn't the God that is? I want to read you a little story right here. You don't need to turn there because I really just want you to visualize what's happening and what's taking place. 
The story is found in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we have a story of Jesus. Now, this is a cool story. Anybody in here parents? Oh, good. You're going to love this story. It'll make you feel really good about being a parent. It's that every year his parents, meaning Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he, being Jesus, when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was with their company, they traveled on for a day. They began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen, have, have you, Mary? Have you seen Joseph? Have you seen, where's Jesus? That's my paraphrase. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem. Okay? They've already traveled a day, maybe a little more. Now they're turning back and going back to Jerusalem to find him. After three days they found him. These people are not getting Parent of the Year award. They've just lost the Son of God. This is not good. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, oh boy, I can only imagine that moment, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus replied, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I needed to be in my father's house? Now, why is this story in here? Because we need five keys to being good parents and to not lose our children? No. No, 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 no. Because this phrase right here is pivotal in Christianity. This phrase right here is pivotal to your papers. Because this phrase takes God from being a name to being a relationship. Let me show you. In the Old Testament, which is what existed before Jesus, okay? In the Old Testament, we had hundreds of names of God used thousands of times. All kinds of names for God that they had. Tons of them. But even to say the name Yahweh, you would have been stoned. You were not even worthy to be able to speak the name of God. So you have thousands of names of God used hundreds of different times. But for the very first time, God goes from being a name to a relationship. Never before this phrase had God been referred to as a father. 
He had always been a name. But now Jesus is bringing a brand new perspective to life. And that perspective is a good father. Now, this continues on. This new paradigm, if you will. This paradigm shift that takes place. And Jesus is with his 12 disciples. And his disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus begins to give us a prayer that we use at weddings, we use it at funerals, ball players use it before they take the court or the field. We use it in a time of need, we use it in a time of excitement, we use it to speak over our children. I mean, we use this prayer all the time. All right, do you know it? The Lord's Prayer? Can we do it? Yeah? All right, are you ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop! What's his name? Let's try again. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop. What's his name? His name is Father. His name is Father. That's pretty cool. Do you see what Jesus is doing? I know that you think that Jesus came here in order to save you from your sins and so that you could go to heaven. I mean, that's a good thing. I'm very glad for that. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy for that. But it is not the main reason that Jesus came to the earth. The main reason Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, and rose again was not for your salvation. The main reason Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, and rose again was so that we could go from seeing God as a name to seeing him as Father. So that we could have an intimate relationship with the one who created us. And until we get this, until we can grasp this, life and ministry are not going to make sense. Because you're always going to go back to listening to the lies of the enemy. Until we can get this, Holy Spirit is confound. He, he's in this box almost of what he can ask us and go with us to do. Because see, as soon as we take a step of faith, this is good. I'm moving in the right direction. Boom. Something happens that we didn't understand. And here we are like coward little puppies with our, with our tails between our legs. Thinking God's upset with us. Thinking that God's mad at us. Thinking that that bossy guy just has another rule and he's out for me again. Okay, so we, we lick our wounds. And we get up because... Pastor over here, he's preached a really good sermon on Sunday. All right, I'm back up. I'm going to go back to the front. I'm going to get down at the altar. I'm going to say my prayers, and I'm going to get back on track with God, and it's going to be okay. Oh, yay. Okay, another step of faith. Boom, something happens we didn't expect. <laughs> Listening to the lies of the enemy again. How's Holy Spirit supposed to move in that? 
How's Holy Spirit supposed to take you from glory to glory in that? He can't. He won't. We have to change our mindset. Scripture tells us that we, our minds have to be renewed. And Jesus continued this theme of the Father by telling us a story in Luke chapter 15, which many people call the prodigal son story. I don't, I don't like that name. Can we, can we take that out? Let's not call it that. Um, I like to call this story the extravagant father. That's a better name. Okay, so you just scratch that out in your Bible and rewrite the new title. Okay, you can talk to me about that later. All right, so, so Jesus tells a parable. And in the parable, you've got two sons. One is lost inside the house. <laughs> the other one's lost outside the house. Yes? Are we familiar with this story? Yes. So here's what happens. A paraphrase that the son comes to the father and he basically says, Hey, dad, I kind of was hoping you would have hit the bucket, kicked the bucket before now. But since you haven't, can you just go ahead and give me my inheritance money? Talk about honor. Not good. So he's like, hey, you're not dead yet, but I want to go have some fun with the money, so can you go ahead and give it to me? The father goes ahead and gives it to him. The father honors his wishes. And the father gives the son the money. The son takes the money, and he goes and he squanders it. It means he wastes it. He absolutely blows it. Money here, everywhere, and then he's using it. Drugs, sex, bad relationships, alcohol, parties, whatever you can think of. Negative, that's probably what the son did. Okay? Not good. Not good at all. And then all of a sudden, one day, this son realizes, uh-oh. I'm out of cash. I've got no more money. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. So the son goes and he looks for work. And as the son is looking for work, he finds a pig farmer who's willing to hire him and allows this boy to feed his pigs. Side note. Jesus is telling this story among a Jewish culture. Right. Oh boy. I mean, there's nothing worse that this boy could be doing than feeding pigs. This is bad. So the boy is so hungry among the pigs that he longs to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. But then, the son has a discerning heart. How many of you think there was a praying mama behind that? Just side note, I just think there was. So anyway, so the son has a discerning heart. He, he comes to his senses, scripture says, and he realizes that even his father's servants have more to eat than he does. So he comes up with this grand story, and he said, he's rehearsing it over and over in his mind. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against earth. Please forgive me. Bring me back in. Let me be one of your servants. See, he doesn't even see himself at this point as a son. So he comes to his senses, and he comes, and he decides to go back, and he's rehearsing this. Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. Please let me be one of your servants. Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. Please let me be one of your servants. And then off in the distance, his father comes running. Father's running to him. He embraces him. He kisses his little piggy face. 
He kisses him. He calls to the servants, bring the best robe. He says, bring the sandals. Bring the ring. My son who was once lost has now come home. Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. Please let me be... Father's not even listening to this. Father's not paying any attention to that. He didn't say, all right, son, explain yourself. I've got a lightning bolt bag over here. I'm getting ready to throw one at you. No. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. What's he do? He kisses him. The father comes over to him, and he embraces his piggy son. He calls for the robe, the best robe of the house. The best robe would have belonged to the father. And he takes his own robe and he covers up his piggy son. He calls for the ring, the family ring. And has that ring put on his finger. So that if anybody tries to say to him, you're not worthy to be his son. Look what you were doing. You were feeding pigs. He can say, I know, but daddy says that I'm his. Daddy says I'm still part of the family. And then the coolest part, I think is the fact that the father called for the shoes. The father told the servant, go and get the sandals. Why? Because in the home, children wore shoes, servants went barefoot. And that father wanted with every step that that son took to remember, I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son. Now, did the father have every right to be all of these things? Absolutely. That son had messed up. He had offended his father. He had been with pigs. He had blown the money. He had messed up. But the father chose the relationship. The father chose the relationship. Why does Jesus tell us this story? Why does Jesus tell us this parable? Is it because he wants us to learn about how to be better parents? Because he remembered what his parents did when they lost him? No. (laughs) No. No, Jesus is telling this parable because he's trying to drive home to the people who God really is. You see, until we can learn who God truly is, we are walking around in darkness. Now, you might be concealing it pretty well. Your house might not look like a tornado went through it all the way. Because you've learned religiosity. You've learned to speak Christianese. You've learned to put a smile on your face. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You've learned to do that, but inside... You're still believing this. And you might not be believing all of these things all at once. But I want you to think about the last trial you went through. I want you to think about the last difficulty or the last struggle that you had. Would you be honest for a minute and and see which seat you were sitting in? Because this one right here, this one is made up of lies. 
But oh, so many people in the church are believing these lies. And even if it's just one of these lies, even if it's just one, it is holding you back from your destiny. Even if you're just believing one of these things, it's holding you back from being that bonfire that we talked about this morning. Because as soon as you believe just one of these lies, Satan blows out your light. So, do you know what we need to do with this? I have an idea. Let's see. Let's just do this. This is just what I believe we need to do. Okay? So, let's just take this, these lies, these things that we've believed, and let me show you. to do with all of this, the mean, bossy, distant, mad, big guy that's distant, that's angry and upset, and he doesn't hear our prayers, I think we need to take this and throw it out the door. Get rid of it! You gotta get rid of it! I mean, throw it far! Because as long as that's in the room, guess what you're gonna believe and you're gonna go back to? You're gonna go back to that every time. You've gotta get rid of it. And if you can throw it out farther, throw it out farther. You have to get rid of it. Because until you get rid of that, you won't be able to fully, always, consistently sit in this. So I told you that five years ago, about four or five years ago, I threw that chair out. It's made all the difference. It's made all the difference. Now, what you're going to find interesting is the fact that if you do the math, I had told you this morning, I've been a missionary for the last seven and a half years. I planted a church among an unreached people group in the first two years. You see, sitting in that other chair, you can actually still accomplish a lot. You really can. But all the more while Satan speaking lies. He's just continuing to tell you you're not good enough. God's mad at you. God's so far off. God can't reach you. You can't connect to God today because of what you did yesterday. But once I threw out that chair, once I got rid of that, and once I realized that he is a good, good father, oh, I love that song. Once I started to realize what a wonderful name it is, and that he truly is a good, intimate, desiring of me kind of father. Until I realized that I was in bondage. I was functioning. I was a, a real live missionary. It's better than a real dead missionary. <laughs> but I was a real live missionary. But I had this concept. And so, to make up for this. For what I was doing, even though sometimes I was cowarding behind, every once in a while I would come back up and I would rejuvenate, right? And I'd make my to-do list once again. Us type A people understand that. I would make that list once again of how I was going to do this, 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 this. Woohoo! 
And I planted a church. It's amazing what driven people can do <laughs> outside of Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that there was a lot of grace in that. There was a lot of mercy shown. But once I got rid of that chair, once I threw it out the door, I began to learn who my true intimate good father is. And since then, I've gotten to be a part of another five church plants. I used to be so burned out. I used to be so drained, so exhausted in the ministry. Because I was operating out of my own energies, out of my own strengths, out of my own gifts, talents, and abilities. But then I would be knocked down again, again, again. Why? Because darkness would come in. Sin would come in. And I'd beat myself up again. There is a huge difference in conviction and condemnation. For in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. There's conviction. He'll tap at your heart when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Praise Jesus for that so I don't get deeper into it. But then I need to run back to the chair. I need to sit in this chair. I happen to be a scholar. I don't, a pastor didn't mention any of this, and that's all right. I'll just tell you about it myself. So I happen to be a scholar in a very, um, a very deep, very, very important field in life. Um, they gave me a graduation hat. For my scholarly knowledge. How many of you here know the history of the donut? <laughs> Praise God, a scholar's in your midst. You're going to learn something today. All right, so the donut, because I'm a scholar, I know these things, I've studied this. The donut was invented by the Danes back in the 1800s. Now, this is interesting because the Danes, the way they used to do this is they would take a clump of dough, they would fry it, and then they would serve it to the customer. Now, this didn't really work out so well because the customer would get this big fried clump of dough and they would cut into it and bite it and, and realize the outside was nice and cooked, but the inside was all gooey and nasty and doughy and uncooked. Ugh. So they'd send it back to the kitchen. The baker would take that clump of dough, fried, half not fried, and he would put it back in the fryer. And he would fry it again and he would bring it out. Now, for those of you who are cooks, what would happen to it? The inside was nice and cooked, but now the outside burnt. You guys can cook me dinner anytime. You get this. It would be all burnt. And so that's not working. Well, this is going on and on, back and forth, these dough balls, back and forth, into the kitchen, back to the customer, into the kitchen, back to the customer, never satisfied. Finally, finally, in the 1900s, the recipe and its complaints make it all the way over here to the United States. And a woman, <clears throat> a woman gets a hold of that recipe and gets a hold of the complaints and do you know what she says? Cut a hole in the middle of it! <laughs> and so that's what they begin to do. They begin to take these dough balls, cut holes in the middle, throw the hole away, fry it, serve it. Dough ball, cut hole in the middle, throw the hole away, fry it, serve it. Cut, throw, cut, throw, cut, throw. 
Oh, and this was working out wonderfully. And then even better, about 20 years ago, Krispy Kreme, they got a hold of all those donut holes and they started making millions. It was actually reported in some states that the donut hole was selling better than the donut itself. Now, isn't that interesting? And then I learned something. You ready for this? In my scholarly knowledge, I learned something. You know, this, this donut here, it's so pretty. Oh, it's so nice and round and evenly glazed and... Oh, that's good. That's really good. You know, as beautiful... Oh, then there's this guy. He's not so pretty. (laughs) Not so round. Not so evenly glazed. But they're the exact same thing! (laughs) The same ingredients that are in the donut... It's true. Oh, let me show you again. You guys don't seem to be getting this. Where am I going with this, right? You might have it all together. You might be perfectly round and so evenly glazed. You might have your life and your ministry all figured out. If that's you, bless you. Please see me after the service. I need a good mentor. (laughs) (laughs) But some of us, some of us are just the donut holes. But the same exact ingredients that are in Billy Graham, Heidi Baker, Beth Moore, the Arnots, and all the other big names of the saints, the same ingredient that's in them, is in us. The exact same Holy Spirit that's living inside of all of them is the exact same Holy Spirit living inside of us. The exact same power that's in them is the exact same power living inside of us. The exact same light that we talked about this morning that's living in them is the exact same light living in us. It's delicious! It's so good. But here's what happens. We get into this donut mentality with our chair that's not here anymore, praise Jesus. But we get into this donut mentality that I'm not that good. I don't look like them. My ministry's not as big as them. I don't have as much money as them. And we play this stupid comparison game. Thinking that we have to live up to exactly who they are. Like they are. Wrong! Little donut hole. God loves the donut. But he loves the donut hole too. God wants to use the donut. Praise God for Billy Graham. But God wants to use the little donut hole too. But we've got to let go of that chair. Otherwise, we will spend our lives trying to be something that we were never created to be. And if we do that, then guess what? 
we miss out on being who he created us to be. An entire people group will then miss out on hearing the gospel message. We talked this morning about how powerful you are. Do you realize that if you don't go and do what you have been called to do, people will miss out. Little Jose's, big Jose's, people who are willing to trade their most prized possession for what you have will miss out. That's why it is so crucial, why it's so vital for us to know this father. And see, once you take a step to know this father, he meets you right there. Actually, once you even begin to think about taking a step, like with the extravagant father, he comes running. He comes running. Before I go on, I want to ask the musicians, if you guys will go up, let's just sing Good, Good Father again before we move on. Because some of us need to let this sink in for just a second. Because Holy Spirit's got a calling on your life. Holy Spirit wants to move you tonight into being a world changer tomorrow. But some of you need to throw out the chair. Some of you need to reposition your little behinds from that chair into this chair. And the only way that we can do that, the only way we can reposition ourselves, like I said, is if we throw that chair out. You have to throw out that mindset. You have to change your mindset. So take a minute and just close your eyes. Maybe just ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you the lie that you've believed. And I just want you to confess it. Tell him you're sorry for believing that he was a mad God. God, I'm sorry for believing that you were mean. God, I'm sorry for believing that you were so distant. Father, you're a good father. Go ahead and confess whatever lie you've believed.
chapter 1 verse 17 you can keep playing just a little bit it says Paul says I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better let me read that again I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Holy Spirit, we ask you to please give us wisdom and revelation so that we may know the Father better. Let's sing that chorus one more time.
Can we just wait on the Lord? Sometimes it's uncomfortable to sit in silence. We like busyness better because we can hide behind busyness. But right now we've got nowhere else to go. We've got nothing else we need to do. We are here for such a time as this. Beth Moore said, God knows when something glorious in the future necessitates something difficult in the present. Because he knows the glory will be worth it. God will risk being misunderstood. Yes, God wants us to have joyful, satisfying lives, but he also wants us to have crowns to cast. He wants us to have rewards to receive. He wants us to have character to develop. He wants us to have testimonies to tell. In the midst of those painful processes, God makes bold promises. And one of those bold promises that he makes is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. He's working it all out for your good. I promise he is. Will you just speak to him in your heart? Tell him that he's a good father. Trust that he's a good father. It might not look like it on the outside. Your circumstance might not look like it. But he really does know what he's doing. Father, we just want to linger in your presence for just a moment. Holy Spirit, please give us revelation and wisdom that we may know the Father better. Just in your mind's eye, I want you to go and I just want you to throw out the chair. Throw out the negative chair and just sit down into the lap of the Father. Some of you are scared to do that. Maybe you didn't have a great father growing up. And so this is very hard for you to imagine. It's a very hard concept for you to grasp onto. Let me go with you. Just close your eyes and how about you and I walk down the golden streets together. And then we come to the throne room of God himself. And our good father is sitting there with a smile on his face. See him in your mind's eye. See God. See our good father sitting there on his throne. You and I are going together. There's nothing to fear. We're in heaven. And how about you and I go up to him right now together. 
crawl up into his lap. You can see us as little children. He says that he wants us to have the faith like a child. So just see yourself as a little child and like me, a little eight-year-old girl. And let's go up and just sit into his lap. He's smiling. He looks down at you and smiles. He looks down at me, smiles. He gives us a big hug. And right there we feel so much peace. Right there we feel security. Right there we're not worried about our health or bills to pay or problems that face us back at the house. Let all that go. Because right now we're just in the arms and on the lap of Daddy God. You want to ask him maybe to wipe away some pain? Go ahead and ask him. Maybe you want to ask him to take away some sickness or an illness in your body. Go ahead and ask him. Maybe you want to ask him to resolve a relationship issue that you've been having with a family member or friend or coworker. Go ahead and ask him. Don't be afraid. Maybe you've got a desire on your heart, a dream that you want to fulfill. Go ahead and ask him. Ask him to help you fulfill it. Ask him to help you to take the first step of faith to accomplish it. Holy Spirit, we wait for you. We ask you to just touch and mold our hearts and our lives and our mindsets. Renew our minds right now as we sit on Daddy God's lap. Renew our minds that we may know him better. Can you give him a hug? Will you just lean into him and give him a hug? And now you and I can come off of his lap and we can walk away right now from the throne, walk down the steps and walk back down the golden streets and back into Boomerang Church. And he's smiling as he's watching you the entire way. I want to tell you a story about a time when he didn't move the way that I thought he should move. He didn't respond the way I thought he should respond. Thank you so much, musicians. 
I was in the jungle of the Amazon and we had been seeing a huge outbreak of the miracle of healings take place. It seemed like any tribe, any community, any unreached people group that my team from the Amazon and I were going into, we were just seeing tons of healings take place. We would actually go into these unreached people groups and we would say to them, they'd never seen us before, we would say, do you have anybody here who's sick? Do you have anybody here who's hurting? Do you have anybody here who has pain? Bring them to us. They'd cock their heads. Huh? Okay. And then they would bring us these sick people. They would bring us these people. They would literally carry some of them to us. And we would begin to lay hands on them and pray for them for healing in the name of Jesus. Very simplistic prayer, ladies and gentlemen. You do not need to go to seminary for this. I teach my six-year-old and my three-year-old nieces how to do this. We do it in Target and Walmart all the time. We go up to people and they say, may we pray for you? Are you sick? They're very discerning little girls. And then the person will tell them their sickness or their pain. And they'll pray a very simple three-sentence prayer. Jesus, please heal this knee. Knee, get better. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How are you feeling? It's so simple. Even a child can do it. If it were any more difficult, we wouldn't be able to reproduce it. So keep it simple, people. So that's what we were doing. Simple little three-line prayers in these communities. In these Amazonian communities. And one after another, after another, after another. Healed, 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 healed. And then we would say, as they were looking at us going, who are you people? What is this? We would say, do you want to know about the God who heals? No, we're good, thanks. No, of course they don't say that. They're like, yeah, this is incredible. She's been sick for years. You see, remember this morning? He sent out the others. And what did he tell them to do? Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near. So we would heal the sick and then we would say, let us tell you about God, our good father, Jesus Christ, our savior, and the Holy Spirit and his power. And so we were doing this over and over. We were meeting physical needs and then the spiritual need. Physical need, spiritual need. Physical need, spiritual need. We were having so much success. It was awesome. And it was all him because it wasn't like we could do this by ourselves at all. It was all him. It was so cool. And this one community, everybody had gotten healed. We were at 100%. I mean, that's good, right? I mean, 99% is pretty good, but 100% healing rate. It was awesome. Salvations, miracles, multiplication of food, healings all over the place. It was so awesome. And then a man came from another tribe. And he showed up. He said, I heard there's a white one here healing people. And I said, well, sir, I am probably the white one you're looking for. But it's not me who's healing people at all. It's Jesus Christ. Can I tell you about him? And I began to share a little bit about Jesus with him. And I said, sir, do you have some healing that you need? And he said, yes, I do. That's why I came. I have dealt with this knee problem for years. I fell out of a tree many years ago. And it's just hurt me ever since. And you could see it. It was all swollen and looked terrible. It was all out of place. 
And you could tell that it had been there for years, which just broke my heart for the man. I mean, we're at 100% rate, right? This is good. This is no problem. I said, Tink, come on over. We've got another one. And so we lay our hands on him. We pray our very deep, deepest prayer. Jesus, please heal this knee. Knee, get better. Thank you, Jesus. Right? We're in it. Sir, how do you feel? I don't feel any different. Hmm? Well, let's go after it again. So we pray again for his knee. In the name of Jesus, we pray for complete healing, 100% healing. Knee, knee, realign yourself in the name of Jesus. Sir, how do you feel? Uh, I don't feel any different. It still really hurts. Huh. So we prayed again. <laughs> we kept going after it. And then we'd have him tested again. Nothing. So after five times, I just felt like we were being annoying. <laughs> so I said, sir, we're still kind of new at this. And we're still learning and walking with the Lord and growing in our anointing to connect with him for healings for people. But we're going to keep believing with you for that healing. We continued to share about Jesus with him. And then he asked us for a Bible. So we gave him the Bible. And he said, you know what? If you'd ever like to come to my tribe, I live over there, in that tribe over there. Which I thought was really generous of him. I mean, after all, we had failed, right? So a colleague of mine, a few months later, decided that we would venture off to that tribe over there. So we get into the canoes, and off we go for that community, that tribe. And as we arrived in that tribe, we found the man, Francisco. And so we began to say, Francisco, look, we're here. We're so excited to be here. And then it dawned on me, oh, yeah, the knee, right? <laughs> of course, how could I forget? And I was like, Francisco, how's your knee? Well, of course it's healed. <laughs> Amen. Huh? It is? Father, forgive my unbelief. It is? <laughs> Show me. Sure enough, the knee had realigned itself. It was perfect in condition. It was no longer swollen. There was nothing wrong with it. He goes, well, of course, once I got back to my tribe, it got healed. Yeah. Really? Super. Praise Jesus. Okay. And you got anybody sick or hurt around here that we can pray for? <laughs> okay. And later that night, I went back to where I was staying, and I was like, Jesus, I don't get it. We prayed five times for that man in that other tribe. Why didn't you heal him then? And he said, because if I would have healed him then, by the time he would have gotten back to his tribe a couple of weeks later, the honeymoon phase of that healing would have worn off. And I got it. You see, God had waited because he's a good father and it's his desire for all men to be saved. It was God's desire to save his tribe over there. And so because of that, he waited to heal his son until he arrived back at the tribe. And the way the man told me the story was as soon as his foot came off the canoe and into his tribe, his knee realigned and was completely healed. At that moment, he said he ran around the tribe because he's going, I've been healed! Look at my knee! I've been healed! Now, how many of you know that 
made an impression. So then when we arrived and he started running around again, this is the one who has the God that heals. Everybody came. Would that have been cool had it happened in the other tribe? Of course it would have been. Sure, that's cool. He would have run around praising Jesus for his healing. But what about those people over there? You see, many of us will go after a healing, we'll pray for someone, and then we don't see the result in the instant, in that moment, and we think, oh, 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 failure. Uh-uh. Not a failure at all. You were obedient to pray. He tells us, pray for the sick and tell them the kingdom. Actually, he says, heal the sick. Never once does he tell us to pray for the sick. He says, heal the sick. Heal the sick. And tell them the kingdom of God is near. You do that part. You leave the rest up to him. And no more of this, well, I guess it's the Lord's will for me to be sick. No! No! Lie! By his stripes, we are healed. No more of that. Don't, don't. That's not scriptural right there. That whole, well, I guess it's God's will for me to be sick. I guess it's his will for me to be hurt. It is not. That needs to be thrown out the door with that chair. So if you need to go throw it out, go ahead and throw it out. I won't mind at all. You just go ahead and do that. Just throw it out. The good father. He's got a plan. It's a good plan. And all we have to do, like I said this morning, is be obedient to it and say yes. Whew, that takes a lot of pressure off of us, doesn't it? I don't have to look like a success all the time anymore. Whew. All I have to do is be obedient and go for it. He'll deal with the rest in his perfect timing. You're powerful. You have a light. But even more importantly than that, you have a good father who wants to activate that power and activate that light within you for you to reach the people that he's called you to. So you ready to practice? And all God's people said, amen, yes. Okay, oh boy, we've got some more work to do. All right, everybody stand up. How many of you here have some kind of sickness or pain in your body right now? Anybody? Sickness or pain? That's okay. Let, go ahead and raise your hand. Good news. Tonight's your night of healing. So go ahead and raise your hand because I want you to get healed. Anybody? Sickness or pain? Sickness or pain? Go ahead and raise. Okay, so look around you. If you have someone next to you that has their hand raised, I want you to go over to them and just lay your hand on their shoulder. Okay? Wherever they are. Anybody sick or hurting? Pain, anything, lay your hand on their shoulder. Anybody? Okay, it, it can be emotional hurt, it can be mental hurt, it can be mental pain, it can be physical, it can be a broken ankle, it can be anything, all right? So lay your hand on their shoulder, and now we're going to pray. All right? Ask the person next to you, what's hurting? Just ask them what's hurting. What's hurting? Don't tell them your life story, just tell them what's hurting. What's hurting? What's hurting? 
All right, now you don't need some big time seminary prayer here, all right? Let's just do this together. It's real easy. Let's say it's a knee because that's what I was talking about earlier. So let's just, just pray for that thing. Jesus, Jesus. Please, heal this. please heal this. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Now speak to it with the authority that you have. Me, get better. Me, be healed. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to test it. Go ahead and test that pain. Test it out. Test it out. Anybody? Let's just go for anybody. 10% better? A little bit better? Can I see your hand? Anybody? A little bit better? Great. Any better? Any better? 50% better? Feeling any better? A little bit better? A little bit better is a little bit better than none. So now let's go after it again because I believe we serve a God of 100%. So a couple more of you get around the people who are sick and hurting. Get around them. Come on. This is a group effort here because we want to see full 100% healing right now. Right now. Pray your big, deep theological prayer. Knee, get better. Keep praying. Go after it again. It is not his will for you to be sick. It is not his will for you to be hurting. By his stripes, you are healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I speak to knees. I speak to backs. I speak to infertility. I speak to weak hearts. I speak to bipolarism. I speak to digestional issues. I say be healed in the name of Jesus. Alright, anybody? How we feeling? Anybody feel better? Wave your hand at me if you're feeling better. You're feeling better? Tell me about it. Shout it out. Shout out that testimony. Okay, how you feeling now? Yeah, you're not feeling bad. You feeling better? Yeah, how we doing? Oh, look at that nice band, my friend. That's great. You do it again. Let's do it together. Yes, we're two or three are in agreement. Yes. Amen. That's awesome. Keep walking in that. Anybody else? Anybody else feeling better? Anybody else? How are you feeling here in the front? Feeling a little better? A little bit better. That's good. That's good. Now, wasn't that easy? Was that fun? Yeah. It didn't hurt you, did it? Nobody died. That's great. Yay. Wow. Jesus. Now, how cool if we would just go release that in the marketplace.
to your coworkers, to your schoolmates. Hey, kids, you guys can do it too. You got a friend with a headache on the playground? Hey, can I pray for you for your headache that it'll go away? But Jungle Jen, what if it doesn't go away? What if it does? Okay, if it doesn't go away right there in that moment, pray again. And if it still doesn't go away, okay. I mean, it's not like they're any worse off than they were to begin with. Right? God will work it out. I figure he's big enough and has a big enough plan that he'll work that stuff out. I just need to be obedient. What if it doesn't get healed? But what if it does? What a testimony. And victory comes by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Man, we could be making disciples. We could be making disciples and telling them about how good this Father is and how much He loves them. That'll heal some hearts. That'll change some lives. You're powerful. You have a strong light that can demolish the darkness. You have a power inside of you that is the authority of Jesus Christ if he is living in you. It's time we go and change the world, ladies and gentlemen. It's time we go and make a big difference. This is a powerful group right here. The fact that you all even showed up for a Holy Spirit service is awesome. It means you're hungry. It means you want more. So I'm going to close with this. Recently, I'm going to have a picture put up here on the screen. I went to the salon. Can we just show my uh, manicure pedicure? Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah? I mean, take a good look at it. Wow. Oh. How many of you would pay top dollar for that mani-pedi right there? Guys included. I mean, you guys are jealous, aren't you? Now, I would pay top dollar for that. I really would. Do you know why? Because my nail technician is in the next picture. She is my two-and-a-half-year-old niece named Sarah. And Sarah loves to play salon with me, her Chia. She calls me Chia. And I just want you to look, go to the next picture. Oh, she's just so careful. I mean, she just so, I've renamed her salon Nails and Knuckles by Sarah. <laughs> she just, she's just so careful with how she does it all. And one day, as we were here painting nails at Sarah's salon, she dips the polish, she dips that brush into the polish, as she does. And then she brings it over to my hand, and a big glob lands right on my hand. She froze. <gasps> and I looked at her. And she said, yeah, okay, Chia will clean it up. <laughs> and I said, of course, honey, it's okay. I'll clean it up. It's no problem at all. Did I yell at her? Sarah, what are you thinking? Did you see what you did? That's so terrible. That's ugly. You can never paint my nails again. 
would never do that. Never. Oh, did you see her? I mean, she's holding my hand and holding my toes and doing it so carefully. <laughs> so I take a cotton ball and I put some alcohol on it and I wipe it off. And I say, keep going, honey. And she keeps painting, 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 painting. And then she finishes and she looks at me. Is it perfect, Tia? Yeah, honey. It's perfect. You guys are good parents. You never yell at your little girl if she painted your nails like that. You'd treasure every moment of it. You would love her knowing that you're not going to have many days where she'll even want to do that. Maybe your son doesn't always hit the softball quite right. Or maybe he lines up at third base to hit the ball instead of home plate. Do you yell at him? Of course not. You toss him the ball anyway. Guys, we have a father up in heaven who's even better than that. Oh my goodness, I've made so many mistakes on the mission field. So many mistakes. But I can look up at him and say, Daddy, is it perfect? Yeah, honey. It's perfect. Go out and do it again. Go ahead, try again. Go ahead. Here's a bigger task for you. It's okay. Go. I'm going with you again. Let's do it again. I can't tell you how many times she's painted my nails since that one occasion. Probably 30 times. Because I love her. And because she loves me. She tries her absolute best. I know it looks like a mess, but I wear it so proudly when we go out because I know who did it and I know the heart that was behind it. So often we're too afraid to make mistakes and so we don't even try when daddy God is up there going, just try, honey, just try. It's okay if you're not always inside the lines, just try, just go for it. And if you fall, I'll pick you back up. If the big glob falls on my hand, I'll clean it up. It's okay. Just try. He's a good father. And just like I would never yell at my niece for trying and for painting my nails like that, he'll never yell at you. He'll never be mad at you if you just try. And if you make a mess, it's okay. He'll clean it up and you can start over again. So let's just open up our hands. And Daddy God, right now we just ask for a clean, fresh start. We ask that you would please 
Wipe away all lies of who you're not. All these lies that we've believed, that you're mad, you're angry, you're upset, you're distant, you don't hear our prayers. Wipe all of those lies away and fill us with Holy Spirit. Fill us with truth. Fill us with the revelation of who you truly are. We receive you right now as our good, good Father. We receive you right now as one who wants the very best for us and who will work all things together for good. Take these situations that we have in our lives right now and please, they might look like a mess right now. We're sorry if we messed it all up, but please just clean it up, pick us back up, and help us to start again. Maybe tonight you're realizing that you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. And you're realizing that your life is a big mess right now. It looks worse than that manicure pedicure. Maybe your life is looking a lot like that picture that you drew at the beginning. I'm here to tell you that he wants to shine light on your life with salvation. You don't have to clean it all up first. That's the beauty of it. He'll do that. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that salvation, mm, yes, it means eternity with him, but that salvation also means that you can sit in the seat of Daddy God every single day. That you can walk hand in hand with a good Father who loves you, who cares about you, who wants to clean up your messes, and who wants to make you a success. Maybe you're realizing that you've believed the lies and you need to throw them out. Have you believed a lie? Do you need to throw it out? Maybe some of you need to just come and sit in the seat of Daddy God. You need to receive him as your personal good, good father. So in an act of faith, if you've believed a lie that you need to throw out, myself included, because sometimes I fall back into those lies. If you've done that, I want you to just, as an act of faith, I want you to just come over to the door, open the door, and throw it out. Anybody want to come with me? Anybody need to throw out a lie? You can just go throw it out. I'm just going to go throw it out. Because I recently believed that he's not going to provide enough for me. I'm going to throw it out. Anybody else want to throw something out? Go throw it out. Go toss it. Not all the way to the parking lot. Oh, well. Okay, that's okay. Go throw it out. Maybe you need to come and you need to just sit over here and receive his intimate love. Maybe you just need to receive for just a moment. You can just come to the altar right here and just sit and receive. Maybe you need to do both. Go throw out the lie and then come sit and receive. I just want to release you to go ahead and go and do that. Go ahead. You want to sit and receive? Go ahead. You want to throw out a lie? Surely I'm not the only one who believed a lie. 
Surely not. Surely not. You want to go throw out a lie? Go throw it out. Go ahead. Come sit and receive just for a minute. Sit and receive. It's a good place to be. Sit and receive some goodness. Toss out that lie, sister. Amen. It is gone. You need a little more healing in your body? Come on forward and we'll have one of the pastors or myself pray for you. You can sit in the chair if you want. Once you've thrown out the lies, and once you've sat in the lap of Daddy God, and you've received that intimacy with Him, all of a sudden your picture of your house doesn't look so hit by a tornado. <laughs> all of a sudden all those resources that we have available to us begin to flow together. And all of a sudden, our ministries, our lives take off. In John 10, 10, it says, The enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what all those lies do. But the second part of that verse says, But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is when you have light, eyes wide open, drawing your picture of life. That's abundant life. You're living in your destiny. You're living in your dream. It doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. But it means it's going to be joy-filled. It means it's going to be peaceful. Father, I just pray for those who are sitting up here specifically right now. The Spirit, you will give them insight 
and wisdom and a knowledge that they will know you better. Some of you maybe didn't have a good example of a father that was good to you growing up. Go ahead and throw that out the door. Forgive that guy. Forgive that man. Forgive your father. And then turn your eyes to your good father in heaven. Receive that goodness. Are you settled in your heart with who he is? Have you settled it in your heart that he is a good father, that he's for you, not against you? He loves you with all of his heart. He wants what's best for you. And anytime you begin to doubt that, or anytime you begin to pick up that negative chair piece, just remember me and my manicure and pedicure. Just remember how beautiful that was to me. Your life might look like a hot mess. But if you're trying, if you're trying to walk in faith, to him it's perfect. If you're in his hands, it's perfect. Have we thrown out all the lies? As they say in the military, all hearts clear. Have you reconnected with your daddy God in heaven? Father, I ask you to not allow us to go back to our old mindsets, to our old ways of thinking. All right now. I ask that you deliver to each one of us a hug from Daddy God. Help us to not play the comparison game and to try to be somebody else, but to be fully satisfied with who you've created us to be. I ask you to love on us in a very special way tonight so that tomorrow we wake up fresh and new with a new mindset of who you truly are. And all God's people said...
I wanted you guys to really internalize this message. I wanted you to be able to get it deep down into you. So I decided to bring everyone donut holes. Because I really want you to take this message all the way down. So after the service, you can come up and enjoy a couple of sermon illustration donut holes. Pastor. Amen. Okay, you saw me after lunch today. Yeah. So see me just get up. Maybe we can give him a microphone for the testimony, yeah. please. Thank you so if I sit down too long in one place, I like a ninety-year-old when I try to get up. Um, they test. I was sitting beside them at lunch today, and it took me a little while to get up. And I just popped up from there. I was like, hey, <laughs> that was cool. Amen. <laughs> so, Glory to God. Amen. That's awesome. Jesus is the same Jesus in the Amazon, in Albemarle, wherever you may be, Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, and anywhere. This is the way to get 100% participation right here. I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going I'm to take, take notes from Jungle Jen on how to get 100% participation. That's great stuff. Amen. You know, this morning, um, the verse that keeps coming to, to me is that we are to be a partaker of the grace uh, with Jungle Jen. And uh, that we are to be a partaker. And our job as people of God is to further the kingdom. Our job is to grow in the kingdom. Uh, one of the things in intimacy that she was talking about is uh, in John seventeen three it says this, that this is eternal life, to know the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's intimacy. That's intimacy. That's relationship. That's fellowship. Right. And our job is not just to know God only, but to know each other and to communicate and partner with each other so that we can advance the kingdom wholeheartedly to be partakers, uh, partners with one another. And so we have the opportunity to be partners with you and your ministry and not just talk about it, not just be, you know, Paul says there. Uh, in some, you know, some of the verses I was looking at this morning, maybe it's in Philippians, I believe it is. He says, you're the only ones who communicated with me. You're the only ones. Now, how many people knew the Apostle Paul? How many churches were that? Couldn't a lot of those churches say, yes, we know the Apostle Paul. He helped found this church. And yet in his need... Only one of them became a partaker. Only one church partnered with him and the grace abounded in them because of that. Only one church did he say, uh, basically, and my God will supply all your need. Only one church did he say, and you can do all things through Christ in that same, in that same chapter. And it had to do with the fact that they decided they were going to partner with him. 
So as we take up the offering tonight, just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me give? What would you have me to give to be a partaker of the grace, that healing that just happened here, that happens in the Amazon? What would you do to help further the gospel so that we can come together as a body with her? We're, we're joining with her. She's joining with us so that we can partner to see this kingdom advance. Father, what would you have me to give? And so right now, just close your eyes. And let me see this envelope. Right now, just say, Father, what would you have me to give? Where's ours? What would you have me to give? What would you have me to partner and be a partaker of grace with Jungle Jen? What would you have? Father, thank you for it. And as he tells you that amount, you just get it in your heart. Lord, I want to be, I want to be in my heart a cheerful giver. I don't want to give out a compulsion. I want to be a cheerful and abounding giver. And he says, I'll give you seed as you purpose in your heart. So let's purpose in our heart right now. Lord, we're going to give and we're going to be so cheerful to advance your kingdom. We're going to be so cheerful to abound in giving. And Father, we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And as you just write a check or whatever you're putting in the envelope there and getting it ready, just put it in your heart, get it ready there. Write a, you can write a check to Boomerang. We'll make one check out to Jungle Gin. Father, I just ask right now as they're getting that ready, Lord, receive this in Jesus' name as a part of their heart, an offering of their heart, and let it be multiplied to them in the name of Jesus, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom, shall men give into your life so much that you won't have enough to hold it, it will be an overflow in the lives to the people around you. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. And just lift up your offering right now and just lift it up in worship, believing not only that you're going to give it in fullness of a heart that's ready to give and cheerfulness and abundance, but believe in God that he'll also return it, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And just stand to your feet. Lord, we praise you and we worship you in every way. Thank you, Father. Thank you. If you're watching online, you can uh, go to boomerangchurch.org slash give. There should be a link. If you're watching on the website, it should say donate right there. You can give there and we'll get it to Miss Jen. Thank you, Father, for giving us opportunity to be partakers in your grace. In Jesus name. Amen. You can bring your offering on up and you are dismissed. Miss Jen, thank you so much. Glory to God.